Hello once again, everybody. I'm Peter Graves. It's another edition of Talking with a Gravy Train. And today on the telephone, we're very pleased to have Chris Grover, the head coach of the U.S. cross-country ski team from uh, his home in Sun Valley, Idaho. And uh, Chris, so much to talk about a winter that was really stunning on so many, many levels. How are you doing, first of all, processing it all? <laughs> well, that's that's a good question, and you know, it's uh, it's a little bit it's a little bit of a challenge to get kind of a perspective on on you know how how good the season was for us. Um, you know, not my, my personal history only going going back you know some twenty five years or so in the sport. Uh, you know, Peter, maybe you could actually shed some more light on that. Uh, we for sure miss having uh, Paul Robbins around um, to kind of just guide us and <laughs> for sure. It's a historical perspective on 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 where the season kind of stands for for the USA, but um, it's it's definitely it's sinking in a little bit. I think you know as we went through the season, um, it just it sure seemed like there for the for the U.S. team that there were so many days that we had that were kind of a historical best uh, for us, and especially with that women's squad. So it's sinking in slowly, and and uh, and it was it was a fun season. Yeah, I'm I'm certain of that. It must have been quite an experience to uh, to sort of process it all uh, from the inside, along with your your fine coaching staff. Um, let's begin with Keegan, um, an historic first uh, for her, and uh, uh, the second time since uh, Koki uh, won the World Cup back in 1982. So I think it was like 30, 32 years or something. Um, that, uh, for an American to be back on an overall uh, World Cup podium, um, sensational year. Um, I I have the sense, really, that I mean her ship has arrived, and it did even before this season started. So um, I I would offer that what she did uh, perhaps wasn't a huge huge surprise on many levels. What do you think, Chris? No, I, I, th- I think you're right, Peter. And um, you know, I think this is it was an interesting year in that we, with Keegan and with the whole whole group, you know, we pursued the whole World Cup calendar, and that's something that we haven't done in a number of years. Uh, certainly, in the last say four years, uh, where we've taken breaks to prepare for either the Olympics or for the World Championships. And this year, having no World Championships or Olympics, you know, we were we we thought it. it you know, one of our main goals was to go for to go for uh, an overall sprint title, and um, and that meant you know pursuing the full World Cup. It meant Keegan was on the road for four and a half months continuously uh, through the winter, and uh, it was just kind of about testing out testing out everybody's limitations. But of course, at the end of, of uh, the previous season, um, Keegan was third overall in that sprint cup, and she was behind Petra Maidic and Ariana Fullis, both of whom were retiring at the end of last year. Um, so, you know, given those retirements, we knew that we knew that Keegan had probably as good a shot as any of those top ladies, um, you know, including Mara Bjergen or, just, or Justina Kowalczyk, um, at getting that, that overall sprint title. So um, so it was fun. It was, it was really fun for, for the staff and for Keegan to kind of be in charge of that or be leading that sprint overall um, uh, cup, uh, you know, leading in the points all through the season and wearing the red bib 
all through the season and uh, and being the one to beat, it just it made it a lot of fun. Yeah, incredible. Um, and, you know, each year you just see such growth with Keegan, um, more growing confidence. She has so many hours invested in the bank right now. Um, and one thinks that still uh, her best days are, are still to come. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, she's, she's obviously, you know, just kind of coming into to her prime. And I think, you know, more than anything, one of the biggest changes is, has been that she just, she understands her own limitations. She understands her own body more and more. She's able to adjust her training. She's able to adjust her recovery uh, more and more by herself. And that's such a, that's, that's such a key component uh, for an athlete in terms of, of really form is that self-knowledge and recognizing the sensations that go along with being extremely fit or the sensations that go along with being on the edge of overdoing it or starting to be tired. And, um, you know, Keegan, there were times in the year where she was starting to get a little tired and she was starting to get sick. And she made she made really good choices um, going through the season about you know, race, but I need to set one out. Um, I need to kind of regather myself and, and pull my focus back if I'm going to uh, back together, if I'm going to be able to, to hold on to this to this sprint uh, leader's jersey. So, you know, I think that's that's been the biggest thing is just the maturity, the maturity of the athlete, and in Keegan's case, just figuring her figuring out the. Uh, the pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, so not only uh, did she, of course, win the Sprint Cup that we've talked about, but she had an incredible season on the overall World Cup, too. Yeah, absolutely, and it was that, that made it you know, a lot of fun for us. Of course, you know, she came into the World Cup Finals in fourth place uh, overall uh, in the World Cup, and you know, she spent the whole year kind of hovering right in there, fourth or fifth on the overall, and it was quite a duel uh, between her and Charlotte Kala from Sweden. And, of course, Charlotte Kala just, you know, probably being in her home country and, and feeling the support of fans and whatever, she just had a slightly better World Cup final than Keegan did. So Keegan ended up fifth in that overall push, but just an incredible accomplishment. I mean, there was, you know, there were so many personal bests for Keegan during the year, you know, best ever classic sprint, best ever classic distance race, best ever skate distance race, and all of those things, uh, you know, historical podiums, first ever podiums in team sprint, um, and doing it in, in the two in both of the two team sprints that we had during the year. So, I, I think all those, you know, all those uh, all those fantastic results allowed her to really, really compete for that that overall uh, world position. And and uh, Chris, what what does that Sprint Cup mean for uh, the program? Yeah, I mean it's that's a good question. I'm not quite sure yet. That that part hasn't sunk in a hundred percent. But I think you know I, I think what what Keegan was able to do was to really just was to really demonstrate what the potential is for U.S. skiing, especially to our ladies group, but to our whole team as well. And you know we have we have so many you know talented young ladies coming up through the program that can look and go oh my gosh this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had such kind of such a we had a long period um, as you mentioned back to to Bill Koch's um, uh, overall uh, World Cup title 
that I think, you know, in terms of, you know, these young athletes that are only in their, in their 20s or their teens, um, they don't have that sort of historical perspective. And so there's nothing for, like that for them to, mm-hmm. to hold on to and say this is, this is actually possible. So I think what Keegan was able to do was, was to demonstrate to everybody this is possible. Here's, here's the model. Um, this is this is what it takes. This is the kind of focus. This is the kind of energy that it takes. But with some focus, with some energy, with with making the steps year by year by year, it is it is possible, you know, to go all the way to the top. So that's it's it's really I think that's what it really means to our program and to U.S. skiing in general is is uh, demonstrating that it's it's not only possible, but you can do it the right way. You can do it clean and. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the possibilities are limitless. Yeah, and Keegan has been in New York the last couple of days uh, with a, kind of a media tour, and, and it's been uh, very successful. A lot of people want to talk to her, and, and she's gotten a lot of a lot of publicity, too, which is also a, a very good thing. And now let me segue into uh, young Jesse Diggins, certainly a phenom this year. I, I am just still scratching my head, and I look at the results she has done. It's incredible. Uh, she always seems to have a smile, and I, I just uh, I, I get the message uh, from talking to her that she just loves to ski fast. <laughs> I think so. I think so too. And, um, and, you know, of course, like, you know, we, you know, we've, we've had Jesse on the radar screen for, for many years. I remember her as a standout at RAG camps, you know, four or five years ago and, and people coming back from those camps going, saying this, this young lady is, she's going to be good. Um, she's going to be good because she was 16 years old and she was challenging uh, Caitlin Compton back then at, at time trials and in camps and that sort of thing. And uh, so she's been in the she's been in the pipeline and she's been plugging away. I don't think any of us were prepared for just how fast she was going to ski um, this season. And you know it's really fun it's really fun watching her, especially in so many of these skate races that she did. Uh, you know, go, going to Moscow and winning the and winning the qualification there, and uh, in the sprint in Moscow, and other coaches from other nations thinking there was a problem with the timing <laughs> because they had never heard of this young lady who just who just blew away the field by two seconds in sprint qualification, or watching her, you know, close down uh, close down on other athletes at the end of a mass start race and. In uh, Rabinsk, or the end of the the mass start uh, skiathlon, and in Lati, where she's actually like posting the fastest skiing times um, of the day of any women, any women in the in the closing one or two kilometers uh, of the race. So, just a, just amazing, amazing to watch her. Um, you know, especially in the skating technique, but really in, in every technique was was a breakthrough for her. And um, yeah, she's just a she's a blast. She's got a ton of great energy, as you mentioned, a blast to have on the team, and it's just you know really added to the to the positive uh, team spirit and camaraderie and dynamic that we have with that women's group. And uh, and well said. I, I certainly agree. Now, not to be lost in all this, we also had some wonderful performances from Sadie. Liz, Ida, uh, Holly, too. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, I mean, uh, they also had terrific seasons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Liz, Liz Steven, um, you know, historical best classic results, first time taking, taking points many times in, in classic races. 
she ended up in in the red group at the end of the season, something that she's never done before. Holly went out and took her first World Cup uh, points in Europe, um, and she took a lot of them, you know, both in sprint and distance. Uh, Sadie went out there and got her first World Cup points. Uh, Ida went out there and got her first World Cup points. So it's if, if you look at you know, and of course uh, Holly, uh, Ida, and uh, you know Liz and Jesse teamed up for a historical. I know uh, uh, best U.S. women's relay finish in um, in uh, Nova Mesto this season. So, mm-hmm. if you look across the board, everybody kind of had historical bests, and you know they, you know, of course, we had a group of women that um, had uh, pushed each other in training, you know, for a few years, and they came into the season, you know, healthy and fit and ready to compete. Uh, but on top of that, they just built momentum and they took momentum from each other. And each person's success um, kind of spurred the spurred the other ones on. And, and I was really, you know, I was blown away by by the by the leadership that that Matt Wickham provided to this women's group and the way that he built the team atmosphere or fostered, I should say, fostered really the team mm-hmm. team atmosphere because the women were building it themselves. Uh, but they kept that rolling. They really supported each other, and instead of instead of trying to compete with each other, they really supported each other um, all through the ski season. And they took pride in in one another's results. And I think that's that was that was one of the keys to allowing each athlete um, at times to have these personal bests. Yeah, very interesting to hear to hear you say that, Chris. And and uh, it, it just seemed like all of the chemistry. Uh, was just perfect. And uh, when I've talked to uh, these women during the wintertime, um, you, you just get the feeling that this is the total package. It's it's a team that supports each other, celebrates uh, uh, great results when, uh, you know, in, in, in sort of the classic sense of sportsmanship, if you will. Um, this kind of environment doesn't grow on trees, and nor can you artificially foster it in a way. This has got to be the real deal, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think, you know, uh, you know, Keegan Randall can take a lot of credit for, for providing, for, for setting the bar, setting the tone, providing that, providing a lot of the leadership within that group. Um, she's, Keegan in particular, you know, being the veteran of this squad, she has been setting the tone not only in terms of what's possible in results, but what's possible in terms of positive energy, what's possible in terms of team camaraderie, what's possible in terms of, of supporting each other. You know, we, we did this, we had this fantastic 4 by 5 relay, women's relay, in Nova Mesto. And um, Keegan uh, had been a little bit under the weather coming into the week and had this last skate sprint of the, of the year coming up in, in Sklarska Pareba the following weekend and needed to set this weekend out. And so we went into into this relay um, that we had very very much hoped to have Keegan in uh, without Keegan, and you know we knew that it would be a challenge to have the kind of result that we wanted to have without Keegan actually part of that relay team. You know, arguably one of our strongest distance skiers as part of that team. And uh, so we started with four other women, and it was a cold day out in Nova Mesto, and Keegan, who was you know trying to trying to get rested up was out there during the entire relay. 
cheering on each team person and the first person to greet everybody at the at the finish line. And I think, like, for me, that really demonstrated how committed these women were or are to each other, um, you know, because there's there's the one person who needs rest and who, you know, who's dying to be racing but can't be racing and who's out there supporting her teammates. So that's the, that's the kind of, and, you know, you just don't see that necessarily all the time at this World Cup, you know, elite, uh, elite level. So it was, uh, it was a big, it was a big part of our success for sure. Yeah, and that's that's quite moving, I think. All right, I, I want to shift gears a little bit, although recognizing Chris, I could talk to you for some hours about this, and our time is limited. But um, let's talk quickly about the men's team. What did you see out there? Certainly, Chris Freeman um, uh, flirted with some pretty good results. He ended up the season uh, winning the 50 at Craftsbury. Those are all good things. Andy Newell uh, continues to show that spark. Um, w- Tell me your take on the men's team this winter. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, for the men's team, um, there was definitely we definitely got off to a little bit of a slow start. I'd say that um, you know a handful of our men um, had prepared pretty well, but um, had a few kind of kind of setbacks. I think right before the right before the season started, and the men's team kind of came into the season not with a lot of energy or spark to them. And, um, you know, to their credit, those guys bounced back pretty well and seemed to get, as a group, kind of seemed to get stronger throughout the season. Um, you know, for sure there were some, there for sure were some highlights. You know, Tad Elliott went out there and scored his first World Cup points. Uh, Noah Hoffman went out there and scored his first World Cup points in Europe. Uh, Noah Hoffman emerged, you know, not only as, a great distance skater, but also a great distance classic skier, um, scoring points in several classic World Cups, and that was that was a, de- a big step forward for him. And then, of course, he went to the to the U23 Championships and and brought home a silver medal from from Turkey from the U23 Championships, which was one of our one of his goals and one of our program goals was to actually go and, and get a U23 uh, medal this year. So that was that was huge for us. And then you know you know a breakthrough a breakthrough season for sure for Sammy Hamilton mm-hmm, absolutely again again a person who really struggled at the beginning of the year especially with health he just kind of caught several colds back to back we did not get to see Kusumo Dusseldorf Davos we didn't get to see really really where he was in the beginning of the season until he got to Rogla and he finally got healthy and then posted his first top 10 World Cup finish. Um, and then also, he kind of he struggled a little bit in the in the middle of the season. He had a lot of really near misses with sprint qualifications. I, I believe he had one or two thirty first, maybe a thirty second in there, where you know a couple tenths of a second, and he would have been in the rounds of all these sprints. And so he was able to kind of refocus, add some energy to it, and then come out charging in the Spring World Cup, where of course he was I want to say eleventh in uh, Lati. And then seventh in drama, and um, and so that was you know for an athlete to to go out there and, and post a couple top tens uh, on the World Cup this year was just abs- and then end up in the red group mm-hmm. in the red group for sprint afterwards was a real breakthrough for him. So I you know he's he's one that I expect is just going to keep improving. He had a huge huge improvement in his training volume this year, and um, you know he'll continue I think to to be on this track. And, you know, Andy also started off with a, a bit of a flat year. 
Um, although I will say he, you know, one breakthrough for him was that in the first part of the year he scored his first distance World Cup points in a non-prologue, uh, mm-hmm. based longer than prologue in, in Roba and 15K Classic. I think he was 24th, so that was a really, that was cool to, to have another guy, another guy from our squad scoring distance World Cup uh, points. And um, and then Andy also was kind of able to improve his focus towards the last part of the year, and he was able to link together, you know, three top three top tens. And uh, I think the highlight for you know for our sprint team for sure was Draman uh, to have Andy in sixth and Simi in seventh and Keegan. I want to say it was eleventh. Draman has been such a you know such a tough tough classic sprint with a huge Norwegian nations group. It's such a tough classic sprint to be successful in, and we've had. Many days there where we've had one athlete in the top 30 between men or women. So to have three there in the top 11 and and uh, and two two in the top 10 was was really cool. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm I'm looking for more big things from from Andy and and from Simi in terms of sprint uh, going forward. Great and Chris, certainly one of the one of the lessons that uh, you know, and and I think if you look back historically, Greg LeMond and later Lance Armstrong uh, proved really, you know, you, you you've got to almost in a European dominated sport, and particularly when we're not having a lot of World Cups in uh, in North America, although that will change with a couple in uh, Quebec and and a couple in uh, Canmore next year. Um, uh, staying over. And not going back and back and forth, I, I think has certainly proved absolutely the way to go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's the only practical way for us to do it, in, in a se- especially in a season like this year, where we actually are chasing, where we're, we're going to every World Cup and and we're chasing these these overall titles um, and you know sprint titles, for example. Um, it, it's interesting in that you know when I talk to other coaches. Uh, from other nations, they they're just incredulous that 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 we are actually that our athletes are there so long. They have a hard time wrapping their heads around it because, of course, they you know their athletes and their staff are often going home you know after every weekend, uh, going home collecting themselves for three days. Most athletes, you know, if there's a sprint weekend or a distance weekend coming up, for example, they may even be home for ten days uh, or an off weekend on the World Cup. Whereas we're always always on the road with uh, with the athletes, and um, and so I think they and, and those coaches they recognize how hard it is to be successful um, uh, long term when you are away from home, away from what's familiar, away from friends and family and community and support network, and uh, so like you alluded to, I mean the the key for us is um, to try to make. Uh, Europe feel like home as much as we can, um, and that means you know finding some places that we know uh, that we know our way around in uh, that we um, rec- you know we know how to get to good training we know how to find uh, you know good 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 places to go out and do things uh, we know how to uh, we know the the lodging is good the food is good et cetera et cetera and so there's a few places uh, Davos Davos in Switzerland is one place that we've definitely made a a home base, Ramsau, uh, Ramsau and Dachstein in, in Austria is a is another place that's kind of feels like home base for us, and so we we try to use those places as much as we can to create a little bit of familiarity for the for the athletes. Uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you because uh, it's been uh, a great great season for Canada. 
Um, and I, I wanted to have you make perhaps some observations. I mean, they had, you know, with uh, Kirsch and Alex Harvey, uh, Lenny Vallis, for example, I mean, they they had an absolute breakthrough season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, you, uh, they've got they've got to be winning, you know, the unofficial award for the most improved men's team um, on the on the World Cup. <laughs> if, there, if there was such a thing, it, it's got to go, mm-hmm. guys. I mean, I I was blown away. I mean, the streak of podiums uh, of World Cup podiums that they had, starting in uh, I believe Moscow with Devon and going through you know February. And um, and you know Alex getting on the podium and Lotti and then Lenny doing three podiums back to back to back you know in the in the Spring World Cup was just just incredible and I definitely um, you know they have so many good things going on with their programs and such talented athletes and and uh, I'm really impressed by the work that Justin Wadsworth has done as as the coach and the team leader of that of that program because you know he's. We're missing we're missing him on our staff for sure because he's taking all the um, and all this knowledge that he has and, and really applying it to that group and and clearly doing a fantastic job. But it was it was pretty fun and that was that was also another thing you know having Canada be so successful uh, both in men and women's uh, cross country was one of the things that really uh, was fun for us too because those are those are our buddies. Um, you know, we we team up with those guys for a lot of the camps that we do through the year. You know, the men were down in in New Zealand with the Canadian men last year, and and um, Chandra and Perry Ann were up on the glacier in Alaska with the U.S. women for our women's camp. And we always start the season, and we will again this year uh, at Mount Bachelor with uh, in conjunction with the Canadian team, same camp dates, teaming up on workouts, um, and. Some, you know, we live together at different times of the year in Davos. Uh, we live together in the same hotel, and we're often in the same hotel throughout the year. And and there's times where Canadian athletes like Chandra are living with our team uh, during the world during breaks in the World Cup calendar. So it almost feels the Canadians, in a lot of ways, uh, they feel like kind of uh, an extension almost of our team, or we're an extension of their team. Sure, that's probably probably how they would look at it. And so. When those guys are successful, you know we we feel proud of the, of them and excited for them um, as well. And um, yeah, so it was you know between the six the breakthroughs kind of that all the American women's were having and and uh, the Canadian men in particular, but as well some of the team sprint podiums and sprint podiums that the Canadian women had. It was it just it, that that made it a lot of fun. And Chris, finally, um, as we wrap this up. Uh, all success uh, is collaborative, and there are, there are so many people, um, your staff, the club coaches, uh, the waxers, uh, you know, people who are standing by in the trenches with junior development, the colleges, etc. Um, it, it, it seems like right now, to wrap this up, we have a great synergy uh, within the community. Yep. Yeah. For yeah. For sure. And and um, there are there are so many people behind the scenes. I mean, I think of everybody, everybody who donated to the National Nordic Foundation um, this last fall in that drive for 25. There were so many people that that gave money to support. You know, not only 
um, you know, not only the, some of the athletes that we're discussing, but, you know, all of this, the World Junior team and the U23 team and the J1 Scandinavian Cup team and our J2s that go to the J2 uh, elite camps. And, um, you know, there's so many, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of need to support talented U.S. athletes out there, and there are so many people stepping up in so many different ways and, and providing support, whether that support is, you know, financial or whether it's actually, you know, coaching and, and support on, on the road for these for these athletes. So it's, um, I think there is, there's a ton of momentum in our in our community right now. And I also, you know, I'd like to give credit to you and, and to what Ski Tracks is doing and, and some of the other media outlets too. I mean, that's, you know, as you know, Peter, like this is the challenge in our sport in the U.S. and cross-country is that it's not televised for the most part. Um, uh, there's, it's hard to, it's hard to see a lot of it. And so it's, it's the media outlets like Ski Tracks that are telling the story, um, that are getting the, getting the word to, out to these athletes, uh, or uh, about these athletes rather to the community and allowing the community to follow the success. And that's, and that's been a big part of building this momentum. Well, Chris, thank you very much. I mean, it's a labor of love for all of us who, who do this, as you know. Um, thank you for an inspirational and, and moving interview. I hope you have a little bit of time to relax and savor what has been an extraordinary winter, Chris. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for your time, Peter, and uh, keep up the good work. Okay, we'll talk again soon. So that concludes this edition of Talking with a Gravy Train. That's Chris Grover. Always a pleasure to talk with him. I so wish we had more time. I hope you've all enjoyed the show. Uh, tell us what you think of the interview or who, who you'd like to hear us interview next. Leave it on SkiTracks.com. Thanks, everybody. This is Peter Graves.